Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Welcome, friends, to another awesome episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and I connected with Carrie Newhoff this week, and we discussed a topic that you've likely wrestled with as a pastor or ministry leader. Now, Carrie is an amazing man of God, a former lawyer and founding pastor of one of the most influential churches in North America. That's Connexus Church in Barrie, Ontario. Not only is he an incredible pastor, but he speaks at conferences. He hosts one of my favorite podcasts, the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, and he's written a number of best-selling books, including Didn't See It Coming, which is available now from Waterbrook. On this week's episode, Carrie and I dive into a topic that has likely touched us all, and that is the issue of cynicism in ministry. Carrie speaks to why we as ministry leaders might allow cynicism to creep into our lives, oftentimes completely unnoticed. We talk about some practical steps to overcome that cynical spirit in ourselves and how to help others, like our spouses, to overcome cynicism as well. This is an important and encouraging discussion that invites us all to reflect on our lives. So let's dig in as you join me in my conversation with Carrie Newhoff. Carrie, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, brother. So happy you could be with us today. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. Now, Carrie, I'd love to dive in and focus on a core issue that you write about. Um, and you write about this in your new book, Didn't See It Coming. And I'd like to talk, especially as it relates to all the pastors, all the ministry leaders as they're listening in, and I would I would love to hear your thoughts on this, but personally, I believe that every pastor at one time or another wrestles with this particular issue, and that is the great challenge of cynicism as it kind of creeps into our lives and into our ministries. Carrie, why is cynicism one of those challenges that so many pastors and ministry leaders wrestle with? Well, I think it's uh, probably difficult for a lot of us because it's so gradual. Mm. You know, if you think back to when you were in high school, university, college, whatever it happened to be, most of us were pretty optimistic. I mean, I guess there's a few born cynics. I've met a few, but for the most part, we're pretty optimistic people. And yet you go five, 10 years into leadership and all of a sudden you notice, wow, I've kind of grown cynical. And Cynicism is 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 subtle, but it's identifiable because it means ultimately the loss of hope. And one of the, the trademarks of cynicism is that you take some of your past failures and you pat your past hurts and you start projecting them onto the future. So, I mean, classic case, you know, somebody's been dating for a while and she says, well, you know what? All men are the same. Or the guy who can't get a date is like, well, women just, you know, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And what happens is your past hurt starts to pronounce a death sentence on your future. And I've seen so many church leaders end up in that ditch, uh, not because they don't care, but because they do. But because you care so much, you end up getting hurt in the process. And as a result, you know, you didn't you didn't wake up one day and say, "Okay, you know what? I'm going to be cynical starting now. You just end up there. And then you look back and go, whatever happened to the optimistic me? Yeah, yeah. Now, it's interesting, Carrie. Something you said there. You said that cynicism is not because we don't care, but because we do care. And obviously, 
uh, that resonates with with us as pastors and ministry leaders because you know we've you know we feel this call in our lives we've given our lives to to serving the kingdom to serving the people God's entrusted to us so can you dig in a little more into that idea that it's cynicism creeps into our lives because we we do care well yeah I think most of us probably particularly in ministry or you know whatever you happen to be doing you're doing it because you care whether that's studying for a degree or uh, starting your own business or launching a church or transitioning a ministry, whatever you happen to be doing, we got into it because we want to make a difference. And so most cynics are former optimists. I mean, they, we, we, all, we all started at the place where, yep, I'm going to change the world. God's going to use me. I'm going to love God. I'm going to love people. And then we end up in the place where we get hurt once, mm. we get hurt twice, we get hurt three times, we get hurt four times, and suddenly we're just jaded about the world. We're kind of bitter, we're a little bit angry, the forecast is not rosy. And underneath that, I think if you really dig, Jason, you find leaders who want to care, but have stopped. Right. And there's almost a fear there where it's like, okay, if I care, a lot about this, I'm just going to get hurt again. So why am I going to bother? Why am I going to go there? And so you end up just in this gray space or dark space where you're not really leading with a lot of hope anymore. You're not really embracing new relationships with a lot of anticipation. You're just kind of cynical and jaded and you only put your heart into something fractionally. You used to throw your whole heart into it you just don't anymore. Yeah, and that that's this idea of protecting ourselves from this, you know, future hurt that, that you've been talking about. And so we kind of hold back. Carrie, can you talk a little bit about how does that cynicism then, we see how it kind of impacts our relationships, you know, and it might impact our ministry. But how does it really impact our relationship with God? Oh, yeah, I'm glad you asked that. No, I think there's a direct connection. So here's what I've come to believe as I've looked at my own journey into and then I think out of cynicism is one of my conclusions is when I close my heart to people, which is what cynicism causes you to do. So when I close my heart to people, I close my heart to God, Mm. that the two are related. And I know that might not seem very intuitive, but if, if you look at where Jesus summarized the entire law of God, he said, here it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So he tied the two together. But another thing that links them is they're both relational. It's like love actually requires an engagement of the heart, an engagement of the mind, an engagement of the will. And that is something that cynical people won't do. And as Andy Stanley has said in in his new book, Irresistible, I really think he makes a good point that he says we define our relationship with God uh, vertically, but he defines it horizontally. That if we're we're not good with people, then we're not good with God. And so I think when we when you know, and, and doesn't it say in the scripture? Listen, if you can't love the people around you, how on earth do you think you're ever going to love God? Right. So I think the two are very very closely tied together because a lot of the time we're like, oh, I'm wide open to you, God, but I just hate people. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. They're a little bit, wait, they're connected there, maybe more than we want to admit. So I found, and it's not like, you know, you're going to hell all of a sudden, you lost your salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. 
But what I am saying is that the openness of the heart, it's very difficult to compartmentalize that. So if you think, oh, I'm going to be very open to God and close to people, I'm not sure your heart works that way. I'm not sure that's the way God designed it. And I don't want to trivialize it, but I have a feeling like God is in heaven looking down going, oh, Carrie, you've opened your heart again. Well, that's good news for us too, you know, for me. <laughs> like I get in, I get a little more leeway than you were giving anybody for a while. So uh, I think the cynic often feels distant from God. And the reason is because your whole heart is closed. Yeah, and, and that makes perfect sense. And, and you've alluded to this fact that oftentimes cynicism kind of creeps in, right? Because as you said, you know, especially going into ministry, I mean, you, you feel called into ministry and you are excited that you have the opportunity to help make a difference for the cause of Jesus Christ, right? And so you're kind of all in. And then these hurts here and there happen. Uh, you get burned once, you get burned twice. And so you begin to kind of pull back. And it's not necessarily something that one day you wake up, and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to be cynical from now on, right? It's one of those right, things that yeah. kind of, you know, kind of works its way in. One of the things that you share is that cynicism is not always a conscious decision, but it is a decision nonetheless. Can you talk to us a little bit about how is cynicism a decision that we're making for ourselves? Yeah, you're right. It never really, you know, I, I don't know anybody. I've never met anybody. And it certainly isn't my story that I woke up and like, yep, I'm going to be a cynic today. <laughs> That's been a life goal. That doesn't, it never happens that way. Cynicism creeps in, but it is a decision. So I'll give you a story to sort of explain the principle. For me, I was probably at my most cynical around age 40, which was over 10 years ago in my case. And what happened was I was in the middle of full-fledged burnout. And that burnout was precipitated by a number of things. Burnout's always complex. Some of it was just working too many hours for too long. Some of it was not processing things healthily in an emotional way. Uh, like my emotions were not being processed properly. But part of it was honestly some relationships that just went south. We had some friendships that mm. kind of died. And that happens to a lot of people in ministry, a lot of people in life. And I went to my mentors and the people who knew those friendships and they said, you know, Carrie, because uh, I was trying to own my peace. It's like, okay, what do I need to apologize for? What do I need to do? And they're like, well, we just can't see what you own of this. Like it kind of, this one's on them and that's heartbreaking. You know, it's like, okay, really? So I did everything right and it yeah. still fell apart. What? Like, how did that happen? And so I went through about a year right in the midst of my burnout where I said to my wife, Tony, I said, I don't need friends anymore. Mm. Like, just count me out. I'm done. Done with people, finished with them. It never, never ends up in a good space. And of course she saw right through it, but she was, you know, gentle enough to let me go through that to the point where maybe it was about a year later. I'm like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> like, of course, of course I need friends and I can't really go this alone. Although I think it is a male thing to want to be isolated and to think that you're a rock, but I'm not. And I realized I needed friends, but here's, here's why cynicism is a choice. I realized that if I was going to build new friendships, I had to put my heart into them. And that's pretty pretty risky because, well, what if these people are like the last people? What if, what if these relationships collapse too? But I realized that nine out of 10 people are actually pretty good people. And yeah, there are toxic people. And Henry Cloud writes, writes about that. And he wrote a really good book called Necessary Endings that'll help a lot of people. 
but you know, I, I just, I had to put my heart out there again and I had to get my heart fully engaged. And what I've realized over the last 10 plus years is, oh my goodness, what a wonderful way to live. And there are so many incredible relationships, but that requires a vulnerability. So for me, because cynicism, what does cynicism do? It snuffs out hope. That's what cynicism right. do. Cynics have no hope. They know everything. It's all bad. Things are bad. So for me, putting my heart back in the game, getting fully engaged with people. Yeah. Have I run into a few bad people over the years? Of course. But that, that doesn't mean I have to shut down my heart from, from everybody. So I had to make a choice. And I think every cynic, like if you're, if you're listening to this and you're struggling and going, Oh, I think I've gotten cynical. Okay, great. So you got there by accident, but what are you going to do about that today? Right. And what are you going to do about that tomorrow? Because if you're choosing to live as a cynic, then that's just a choice. At a certain point, when you become aware, it's almost like, a little bit like what Jesus said when he said, uh, what was it? He said, if you hadn't known that this was going to be a sin, it wouldn't be a sin, but now you know. It's like, oh, <laughs> that's why you should never go to church. It's like, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but now you know. Oh, and now you're choosing. So what are you going to do with that? Plus, it's a horrible way to live. Yeah. I mean, Tony Morgan and I were talking about this recently, and he talked about this one you know, coffee shop where these older men come every morning, and they just complain to each other about everything that's wrong with the world and what they read in the news. And uh, miraculously, they have it all figured out. You know, they they know exactly what to do and how to fix it and why everybody's wrong and why theirs right, why they're right. Do you really want to live that way? Like, is that really how you want to live? I don't. Yeah, you know, it's interesting as you're as you're speaking there, I was thinking through. You know, I I made a decision, uh, you know, many years ago in my life that I'd rather get burnt every now and again than to live my life pulling back from people. Right? You'd rather, you'd, yep. and, and if you almost accept that up front and say, you know what, the reality is. We're going to get burned every now and again. You know what I mean? And if you can kind of make that declaration and accept that, that, that there is going to be that, I think it kind of helps you, you know, better kind of navigate when those times do arise because you've already accepted that, hey, they're going to happen, right? Well, that's it. And I think we we make it like, oh, if I'm going to reengage my heart, it can never happen again. Right. Well, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> where are you living? Are you living on this planet? Because it's going to happen again. But I think what happens is is the pain unhealed is so intense mm. that we're just like it's like you know you break your ankle and I'm sure I've never broken my ankle but I'm sure if you did it really hurts but then you're deciding well I'll never walk again well wait a minute it's a broken <laughs> ankle like are you saying the pain was so intense you're never going to get back on your feet again like you can get a cast for it you can get back out there you might even be able to run a marathon after you break your ankle and and but the fear the pain of the relationships just keeps us from really experiencing the life that God created for us mm. Yeah, there was something else tucked in there as you were talking through your story, you know, sharing that kind of personal story, and that was Tony's role in there. And I love the fact that that Tony, as you said, she was patient with you, and she gave you that time to sort through, and that's a gift, you know, when our spouses can be that way and can continue to be that 
kind of that that rock in the midst of that and let us kind of process through something. But she never gave up hope, it seems, you know, as you shared. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one of the things that, that I've noticed oftentimes in my conversations with pastors all over the, the country is that sometimes it isn't that the pastor, but it might be their spouse that gets cynical because they've been hurt. Or oftentimes it's because they've seen their their husband or their wife get hurt, right? And so there's that mm-hmm. kind of protective as, as a spouse. Can you speak just a little bit to that? Because I'm sure there are probably some pastors listening right now who, you know, their, their, their family's been hurt in some way in the midst of ministry, and it's not really them that's that's caught up in cynicism, but it's their spouse whom they love that is wrestling with that. Can you talk to us a little bit about how we might be able to help um, our spouse kind of sort through that as well when it comes to ministry and cynicism? I'm glad you asked that question, Jason. We're getting a lot of mail on it already from the people who have read the book. And oh, they're yeah. like, okay, you know, this chapter owned me, but but this, you know, cynicism isn't my issue. But what do I do for my spouse? Because right. here's, here's the wrong way to approach it, or maybe this is the wrong way to approach it with me. Here's a book. Read it, Carrie. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. When someone hands you a book, doesn't it always feel like judgment? Yes. I don't know why it does. Yes, yes. You need to read this. You know what? Um, how to become an effective leader? What? <laughs> you, you think I'm not an effective leader? How to become a compassionate pastor? It's like, whoa, wait a minute. What are you saying? So, you know, handing just handing them the book going, you should read this is 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 bad. So one, one of the things that I've found is helpful is to ask questions. You know, when when they really know that you care about them and it couldn't even be like, do you think you're burned out and cynical? No, that, that's a judgmental <laughs> question. But like, you know, how are you really doing? Mm. I, I would just start with that and just try to ask open ended. There's no agenda and say, do you feel like, you know, you've got the same passion level that you had a year, you know, a year ago, 10 years ago when we started out? Do you still feel that way? And then get them down that process of self-discovery because I think that can be really, really helpful. Another thing we've developed, if if you can take it yourself for free, but if you go to didn'tseeitcomingbook.com, we've got a, a little cynicism quiz that you can take. We've also got one for burnout. So these are not like medical devices. All right. I'm not a doctor. Hmm. I just play one on the internet. So, um, they're, they're, they're not, they're not like clinical stuff, but they're just to get leaders going. Cause cynicism is, is one of those things, very easy to see in others, very difficult to see in ourselves. And even burned out people don't know that they're burned out, but both of those tests are there for free. They're really short, takes you less than a minute, answer a bunch of questions. And it's a moderately reliable indicator of whether your cynicism is high or low, whether you're, you know, in full out burnout or man, you are so healthy, it's scary. Um, so so those, those can help, but even to give them a fun little quiz, and those are shareable on social too, say, hey, I took this quiz, I'm coming out moderately cynical. You want to take this one and just, just see, what you, see what you come up with? Um, so that's at didn'tseeitcomingbook.com. You can take those quizzes. Uh, and uh, that could be another way to do it. Another thing, another approach that I would have is to just tell your personal story. So maybe you battled with cynicism and you bounced back. We'll talk about that. Or maybe maybe it's not cynicism. You know, I cover seven issues. Maybe it was burnout. Maybe it's this empty feeling we get or disconnectedness. So I would talk out of your own experience and say, you know what? I've had some ups and downs and here's what happened to me and here's my story. This book really helped me or this resource really helped me. Would you be open to having a look at it? And then just leave it there. And if they say no, because this is what we all know, right? That that buddy who drinks too much or 
the workaholic will never leave the office. You can't help somebody who doesn't want help. Right. Um, so if you leave it pretty open-ended and you leave the dialogue and the relationship open, I think you've got an open door to, to step back into it. That's awesome, man. That, that's such good stuff, Gary. Thank you for that. I, I want to chat about a couple things, and I, I eventually want to get into how we can overcome cynicism as, as ministers. But before we jump sure. right to that, um, I've had conversations with many people, ministers included, who've lived long lives – and they almost seem to believe that being cynical just comes along with, you know, maturing or or wisdom or, you know, experience and that only the naive are not actually cynical. What are your thoughts on, on that outlook? Well, they're half right. Cynicism, I believe, has its source in knowledge. And why were you so optimistic when you were young? Answer, because you were stupid. That's why <laughs> you didn't know what could go wrong, right? Uh, right, right. Your, your, your church plant is going to be amazing. Right. Like You're going to have all the people coming to you, and your staff are never going to leave, and your kids are going to be perfect, and your marriage, you're never going to fight, right? And then you get a few years into life, and you're like, uh-oh, people are leaving my church plant. Uh-oh, it's not a thousand people overnight. Uh-oh, these people left staff. I thought I was the best boss in the world, right? And that's where cynicism starts. So they're half right. It, it, you know, that that optimists can be naive. But it's it's kind of what, I think it was Einstein who said that. I don't know. There, there's brilliance on, or, or sorry, sorry. There is simplicity on the front side of complexity where it's like, I got a really simple approach to life. Well, you got a dumb approach to life because you don't understand how life works. But then there is simplicity on the other side mm. of complexity. And I think it was actually Woody Guthrie who said uh, that takes a certain level of genius. Big jump there from Albert Einstein to Woody <laughs> Guthrie. But, you know, you know, quotes on the Internet, however that works. Anyway, um, but you, you get to the other side of complexity. And the person who can understand quantum physics, but explain it very simply, like a Neil deGrasse Tyson, mm -hmm. those people are geniuses. And so I think it's very, in, in a similar way, okay, so you, you've done a few rounds in life now, and you realize, wow, it's not all going to be up and to the right, and it's tough, and people are complicated. Well, one approach is to stay cynical. One approach is to go, see, told you. And that, that is the reward for the cynic. The cynic just sits around and tells everybody, told you how that, that's how it was going to end. Mm. Really, you want to be that way in your life? Or the other thing, and this is what I really realized uh, as I was doing research for the book and thinking about my own experience, is I used to think that leaders who thrive, the leaders who I want to be like when I'm 60, 70, 80 years old, were people who just didn't have the same challenges that many of us had in life. The reason he's so happy is he hasn't had the tough deal that I have. But I, I do a leadership podcast of my own. I've interviewed hundreds of leaders. And as you know, Jason, sometimes their stories are worse. Right. Like they've been through everything. They've been through the meat grinder. Mm -hmm. And you meet a handful of them and they are more optimistic at 60, 70 than most 30-year-olds are. And you know what I've realized in the process of that? And this is, this is okay. So you've been through the meat grinder. Welcome to life. Welcome to leadership. When you come out on the other side, there is a group, and this is the group I want to be a part of by the grace of God, of people who see life for what it really is, but keep their heart fully engaged. Mm. So you're not naive anymore. 
You're not like, oh, yeah, everything's going to be up and to the right. No, no, no. You know, you know that things are going to be difficult. But you keep your heart fully engaged. You wake up and you decide, I'm going to believe. I'm going to hope. I'm going to trust. I'm going to be curious. I'm going to ask questions. I'm, I'm going to engage. I'm going to put my heart out there to new leaders and to the next generation. I'm going to believe God for things. And, and that helps you get through your cynicism, I think, in a fresh way. And over the last decade, that's what I've been trying to do. It's like, all right, I got knocked down. That was fun. So how do I hope again? How do I trust again? How do I believe again? I love that, Carrie. I love that. And that kind of uh, is a great segue into uh, how I want to kind of spend the rest of our, our conversation, if we could. And that is how you phrase it, let's kick cynicism in the teeth, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So let's talk through some of these ways that we can get to that place that you just described, where we maybe have gone through the meat grinder, we may have gotten beat up, and yet as pastors and ministry leaders, we can overcome that cynicism. So where do we start? What, what are some ways that we can proactively choose not to be cynical? Well, first call it for what it is. Are you cynical? And I think a lot of us say, no, 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 we're not cynics, we're realists. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Realism, realism is just the polite phrase, the socially acceptable phrase right. for cynicism. Uh, you should be, like, listen, man, we have the gospel, okay? Mm -hmm. We have the gospel. When, when we throw death at God, he creates resurrection. When, when we say no, he says yes. Like, you know, we look at, I look at the news some days, it's hard not to get cynical today. And yet I believe in a God who holds history in his hands. Right. And I believe in a God who, come on, we preach this. Those of us who are preachers, we preach this every week and then we live like it doesn't exist. Because, you know, this couple walks into our office, we're trying to counsel them, and you're like, oh, they're heading for divorce. Oh, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Sometimes we need other people to believe in us when we've stopped believing in ourselves, and I want to be that person. So how do you get that way? Well, ultimately, I think the antidote to cynicism is the gospel. It is hope. It is because cynics say death, Jesus says life. Um, we say no, God says yes. Like, I really believe that the antidote to cynicism is the gospel. But I also understand that saying that out loud is kind of like saying Jesus is the answer to every question, which ultimately he is, but it makes for a bad Sunday school class, right? right it right. just does. So it's like Jesus is the answer, but he can't be the answer to everything. Well, he is the answer to everything. So what is a little hack? So the hack that I've developed personally and the one that I would recommend to leaders is cultivate curiosity. Just be curious. That if you really want to overcome your cynicism, you're like, great, okay, i got to trust again, believe again, hope again. How does that work? Here's how it works. Be curious. Because I've noticed that the cynical are never curious, and the curious never seem to be cynical. Mm. That the two are almost mutually exclusive. Because when you meet a really curious person, and again, fast forward, you know, five-year-olds are inherently curious. But think about 45-year-olds and 55-year-olds and 75-year-olds who are curious. The problem with a lot of us is our questions diminish as we get older. And curiosity really fuels optimism, rather because the cynic knows, right? That's the problem with the cynic. The cynic is like, oh, I know how this ends. No, 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 don't, don't Jason, quiet. I, I, I know where this goes. Mm -hmm. Listen, I understand this. I have all knowledge. I'm a cynic. I know all these things. The curious is like, oh, really? Tell me more. 
Oh, you're you see because because a cynic will project past failures onto future situations. So you start to describe your marriage, and the cynic has already pronounced the death sentence on your marriage because he has all this insight. Again, I was talking to another church leader like that, and this is this is the curse of experience. Is uh, he does a lot of consulting like I do. I can walk into a church and fairly accurately diagnose things within about three minutes. You know what? Half the time I'm right. So I'm not always right, but often I am. And I could go in there and say, well, here are all your problems and I don't see any hope. Or what I could do is take the more courageous route and I could go in and say, well, here are some problems I've noticed. What do you say we work together to try to figure this out. That's good. Because the cynics won't engage. See, there's safety in cynicism. Right. The cynic sits back, folds his or her arms, and goes, yep, this is how you're going to perish. Uh, the optimist, the, the person who cultivates curiosity, says, well, let's look at this another way. Okay, this is a problem for a lot of churches. It's a lot of... And, and so the curious really dig in, and they ask questions. And you know what? When you ask questions, you tend to find answers, and you tend to find solutions. So I want to be a very curious person. I want to read outside my discipline. I love doing my podcast largely because I'm on the other side of the microphone. I'm doing what you do, and I just get to ask really smart people questions, and then I just try to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and I learn an awful lot, right? Who right, said yeah. that every time your mouth is open, you're not learning anything. They're absolutely right. So I want to cultivate curiosity. I want to be curious in the lives of my kids. I want to be curious about our marriage. I want to be curious about my friends. I want to be curious about the future, curious about other leaders. And I think I find that the more I cultivate curiosity, the less cynical I am. That is excellent, brother. What would you say um, to the pastors listening today? Hey, this week— Here's something practical that you can do to help cultivate this curiosity. Ask more questions than you give answers. Mm. That's it. Just start asking questions because a lot of your leaders who listen to your podcast, like my podcast, they're senior leaders. So they get asked the questions. Right. And often we forget that we are supposed to be question askers. So rather than solving somebody's problem for them, just ask them questions. And don't try to be the smartest person in the room. Get around some really, really smart people and just ask questions. Maybe read a book outside of your normal reading pattern. Read some fiction or read a business book or read a book about astrophysics or read a book about something that you don't normally read about. You know, I'm reading uh, slowly Walter Isaacson's biography of Leonardo da Vinci, and it's fascinating. I'm learning all kinds of stuff way outside my discipline. That's just a lot of fun. Last summer, I read a biography of the Wright brothers by, um, what was it, David McCallum? I can't remember his name. David McCullough. Yeah. Really, really good. Really great book. Just cultivate your curiosity. That's excellent, brother. Excellent. Man, I so appreciate you taking the time to spend with us and uh, really dig in on this this topic that I think um, is huge for us as pastors and ministry leaders, this idea of overcoming cynicism. And uh, in your book, your new book, Didn't See It Coming, you actually tackle seven of these great challenges. And cynicism is one of them, uh, but also compromise, disconnection, irrelevance, pride, burnout, and emptiness. And uh, if you guys have enjoyed what Kerry has shared about cynicism, you're absolutely going to love as he walks through all these others. 
not only just helps us to identify them in our lives, which I certainly appreciated, Carrie, but then you you take us to, hey, what are some practical ways to overcome, you know, some of these things that we're wrestling with? So very practical book, uh, insightful. Thank you so much for writing it and sharing it with us. Uh, Carrie, how can pastors and ministry leaders listening in today best connect with you and the resources that you have for church leaders, your new book? Just Just share with us how we can connect. Yeah, well, everybody can spell my name naturally, so you can just go to carrynewhoff.com. I know that's difficult. If you half get it right, you'll find it. But here's an easy URL that will give you a gateway into everything. Go to didn'tseeitcomingbook.com. That lives on my site. It'll take you into my podcast, my free resources, my courses. Uh, I'm also on the socials, so you can find me at either C. Newhoff or Carrie Newhoff on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where I'm pretty active these days. Awesome, brother. And I do, um, I love your podcast um, as a fellow podcaster. Great insights, great guests. And so I encourage everyone to take a listen to Carrie's podcast and then uh, go ahead and head on over and uh, learn more about Didn't See It Coming, his latest book. Awesome stuff, brother. Thank you so much for making time to be with us and to share with our pastors and our ministry leaders. Hey, thank you so much, Jason. Appreciate all you do. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast, and if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well, and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.